everybody. Hope everyone's doing well. Welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Jacob. I'm your host. I'm joined here, Ryan, the new community manager at SendSports and the co-host of the Esports Forever podcast. And before we get into our awesome guest today that you can see on the broadcast, let's talk a little bit about how we are live streaming these on Twitch now. Pretty awesome, huh, Ryan? Yeah, I'm pretty hyped, Jacob. I, I think this is the like next best step for esports forever. I think all good podcasts these days are able to see some of the faces of the people that are talking. Um, really just the hosts. You know, I think guests, I mean, in this case, Lazlo has chosen probably one of the best pictures that I, I could ever possibly pick, which is uh, an NFT of their own. Uh, so uh, I mean that I was like I was like Jacob, can you reach out to the Hexarchia folks and ask Glaslo for some type of image <laughs> or something? He's like, yeah, 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 I got you, I got you. Sends me this image and I'm like, whose is this? And what is this? He's like, it's an NFT. And I go, okay, it's an is it is it there? He's like, yeah, it's theirs. It's an NFT. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, okay then, that works out. And so here we are. I love it. I love it. It works out great. I'm, I'm so excited for this video format because, you know, it's so easy to also record it and then take the audio as well and just put that onto our other platforms, too. So I'm here for it. I'm ready. I'm excited. Let's go. Yeah. So, you know, I told Laszlo I, I love the NFT. You know, it's part of the Timeless NFTs collection. Uh, it reminds me really closely of, of Azuki that came out last week and has completely dominated the NFT market. Um, but let's not talk too much about NFTs before introducing our very special guest, the head of community at Hexarchia Game, Laszlo. How are you doing? Not too bad, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Excited to talk all things play to earn and especially Hexarchia. Awesome. It's, uh, it's great to have you. You know, when you guys reached out to us, uh, it was kind of right around when we were about to do our second chess tournament. Uh, and just seeing a chess-inspired blockchain game, uh, it was cool. So, you know, I was super interested. Uh, I've seen some, some gameplay. It kind of reminds me of chess and Chinese checkers and how the board works. Um, but, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about your game. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about Hexarchia. Maybe, you know, start by telling us a little bit about yourself first. Uh, and, you know, let's, let's see what we can learn about Hexarchia. Sure, no problem. I'll give you a little intro about um, my experience in, in the crypto world and uh, maybe some of my previous background as well. Um, so I guess I started off uh, in tech. I always had a kind of affinity towards um, new ideas, new concepts, uh, and especially an affinity towards entrepreneurship. Um, so I worked a uh, corporate tech job um, at college. And uh, while well, it was super interesting to me and the pay was, was good, you know, a big part of me just felt like there wasn't really enough innovation happening. And um, I won't name the name, but uh there's a lot of internal bureaucracy and it's very difficult for things to to get done and things to happen and um for anybody that's been in the crypto space for uh for some time it's it's pretty crazy to see how fast innovation happens how fast new ideas get traction uh and funding and um the space just moves in a light year uh every single day you know you could be here for a week and it feels like a month or two months have passed already mm -hmm. um so while I was at my uh, my corporate job, you know, I, I, I had a lot of um, interest outside and I, I dabbled a lot in a lot of different ideas, um, always starting all these different uh, businesses and not really following through uh, completely. 
Uh, and it wasn't until my one of my close close friends uh, fell into the crypto space and took like a really um, particular interest in the DeFi world and in the entrepreneurship or I'm sorry in infrastructure. Um, and while it's super interesting to me, you know, my entrepreneurial brain was just going off and uh, getting really excited about you know how fast the space was moving. Um, it didn't really click until. Uh, I saw uh, the super popular taxi video documentary that came out uh, maybe like seven, eight months ago. Um, as a long, long, long time gamer, um, I immediately saw like a lot of potential for uh, full verifiable ownership of, of, of digital assets within gaming, especially. Um, and, you know, a lot of stuff clicked for me there. So I kind of uh, jumped out of my tech job, my corporate tech job, and start spending a lot of time learning about uh, everything play to earn, everything crypto gaming. Um, and yeah, I, I started my own Axie Guild, uh, which has been super, super empowering. And I've learned a lot through that process. Um, and through that and my, you know, continual interest to, to try and provide more value to this uh, play to earn space, I, I also hopped on um, as head of community for this game, Hexarchia. Awesome. That's, uh, that's exciting. So I had a little bit of a similar experience uh, working for, you know, I wasn't doing corporate tech, but I was in finance and, you know, it was kind of the same thing. We were just analyzing the people who are moving the needle uh, and why not try to move the needle yourself. Um, so I kind of have the same sentiment there. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's awesome. I think, you know, you, you could tell us a little bit more about Hexarchia. Uh, how it's different from other blockchain games. Um, you know, maybe just take us through what the process has been so far, um, where you guys are at currently, uh, when we can expect. I know the uh, the alpha is live, but you know, tell us how development has been going. Any any hurdles you guys have had that you've had to overcome? I'd love to just hear about the general story behind Dexarchia. You know how it started, uh, all that good stuff. Sure, no problem. Um, so. The game uh, was actually a project that came out of Italy. Uh, most of the founding and de uh, development team is uh, still currently in Italy as well. Um, they won an entrepreneurship challenge um, through, I believe, the University of Florence. Uh, forgive me, <laughs> Hexarchia, if you're listening, but one of one of the uh, big big uh, universities in uh, in Italy. Uh, they won an entrepreneurship challenge. They won a grant, um, and they began this uh, this play to. to create a, a timeless uh, enduring blockchain game. Um, so I came on maybe th around three months ago um, because as the game continues to be iterated, uh, they wanted to create more engagement uh, in the Western hemisphere. Um, and I guess I kind of fit that role for somebody that might be able to help out with that. Um, when I first talked with our founder, Carlo, uh, what really excited me about um the game is just the timeless nature of it um there are a lot of games that uh i guess have focused on uh, very grindy mechanics um in order to you know earn as much as possible um and you know for anybody that's a long time gamer uh you know the first and foremost reason why people play games is because it's fun uh it's in my opinion the the new paradigm of of entertainment um and you know esports uh as as you guys probably know and just the gaming community has been in the bull market for the past 10 15 years uh games are timeless they're within human nature from jumping on from the floor is lava to playing chopsticks with your fingers 
you know, people have always looked at, you know, games as a form of entertainment and a way to uh, engage with other people. Um, so, yeah, what really drove me to Hexarchia was that they were focused on building uh, a game with mechanics that were easy to learn uh, and difficult to master. Um, and that's really why I saw it as an advantage uh, versus other blockchain games that came out um, and why I wanted to kind of have a role in uh, pushing that forward and uh, creating the traction that, you know, crypto gaming will inevitably have uh, in the future. Awesome. So we talked a little bit about this timeless nature before, and I completely agree. Uh, it's got to be the, the most important thing for a game. You know, one of the things that I think ties into the timeless nature uh, and I, I wrote a blog post about this on Fortnite like three years ago almost. But it's, it's to, you know, to me, the three most popular uh, mainstream video games have all been based on a grid, right? Tetris was the first one. You know, Minecraft was, was crazy popular in just a mainstream way. And then Fortnite, right? Fortnite, all the, the builds that you can put together, right? If you build out the entire Fortnite map, it is just a grid, right? And essentially the map is built on top of the grid that the building, the building mechanic creates, Right. So, you know, to me, that's a, a really important element of timeless games. You know, tell me about how Hexarchia achieves timelessness, right? How, why, why are the mechanics simple? And then what allows the game to scale? Sure. So Hexarchia is a chess inspired turn-based war and strategy game. Um, it is a board-based game. It's a 2D game, but uh, rendered in a 3D world. So uh, it makes it a lot more exciting to play and view. Um, because all of the characters are actual warlords, uh, war, uh, warriors from uh, ancient civilizations that you can see fight and battle, especially when they uh, go and kill another player from or another war, uh, enemy from, from the other team. Um, so the timeless nature, I think, can be uh, very analogous to the history uh, and the persistence of, of a game like chess, uh, which is where uh, some of our inspiration came from when playing the game. Chess as a game um, dates back a very, very, very long time. Uh, and the rules of chess, um, similar to Hexarchia, are easy to learn uh, and difficult to master. Um, we're at the point right now where you know an AI can uh, beat any single player in chess, and yet people are still uh, trying to learn the game, um, learning new uh, strategies, uh, and yet there's still um, some sort of competitive element to a game as simple as chess. Um, so I think there's a lot to be taken away from, from, from games of this nature, especially competitive games of this nature. Um, Hexarchia uh, aims to do this in a more uh, robust and exciting way. Um, but yeah, I, I think that some, a lot of the mechanics that chess has had, uh, and succeeded with in the past, uh, are very analogous to, to what Hexarchia is, uh, pursuing right now. Awesome. So, uh, you know, turn-based, you know, chess is, chess is also turn-based. Uh, you know, when you're, when your characters start in Hexarchia, are they lined up similarly to the, how they are in chess? Yeah, so um, it's a hexagonal board, uh, and with uh, five with um, five tiles on each hexagon, uh, and you start with a small little pyramid of of 
warriors uh, on your side and you fight against the opposing warriors who are opposite to you on the board. Um, wow. In the center of your um, army, your pyramid-shaped army, when you start out, uh, is your warlord, uh, which is also an NFT, which we can perhaps dive into a little bit later. Um, but yeah, as the, as the game goes on, uh, you have five turns on each side to uh, move either one or uh, all together communally five moves uh, of all of your different uh, players and you can move them uh, in six different ways corresponding to the adjacent tiles of the warlord of the of the warriors yeah that's that's cool so you know maybe the the is it so that the warlord is surrounded by pawns almost so to say yeah that's a that's, that's a good way to put it um they yeah, all cool. move and behave the same way uh but clearly the warlord is the important one and if you're uh if the enemy warlord uh, dies, then you win the game. If your warlord dies, then you lose the game. So awesome. you're really trying to attack and defend uh, your warlord at the same time. So, you know, to me, if I can, you know, put this into, uh, compare it to multiple games that I played, and they're all, you know, board games. So it's cool that you're doing this on a, a video game format, right? Chess, obviously, but then the board is almost exactly like Chinese checkers. Uh, I was playing Chinese checkers during Christmas break with my grandma. Uh, it was a ton of fun. But then also like Stratego. I don't know if anyone here has played Stratego. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. I used, I used to play Stratego so much with my sister uh, when we were young. It would always end in a fight, but it was still we would still play it uh, all the time. Um, you know, that's cool. Let's let's talk a little bit. You mentioned how the warlords were NFTs, right? You know, let's talk about your process for NFTs in Hexarchia. Uh, you know, talk, tell me about what chain you build them on and tell me about how your, your play to earns alludes to earning NFT. Are you earning crypto tokens? Are you earning, you know, points that you can redeem for an NFT? Are you just straight up earning NFTs, right? Walk me through your play to earn process in Hexarchia. Sure. Um, so the economy of the play to, of, uh, of Hexarchia, um, is being built right now. We have, uh, several ideas around um, the in-game token. We have a two token uh, economy that we're implementing right now. It's not released yet, uh, but we have some strong advisors and some really great ideas within the internal team about um, how to implement it in a sustainable way. Um, essentially, uh, as you play the game with your warlord, um, you unlock uh, the ability to actually play in the play to earn mode. Um, because we want this game to be foundational, uh, there's also a free-to-play uh, version of the game as well, so the players can actually um, come in and learn the game uh, and figure out the right strategy to, to be able to defeat their opponents. Um, but if you have access to the NFT Warlord, um, then by both completing quests from care from a uh, that are determined by the characteristics of your specific Warlord, uh, or just by um, being better at other people in the game, uh, then you're able to earn uh, these in-game currencies. Uh, so one of the uh, currencies, so similar to, I guess, Axie, we have a governance token and a utility token um, where the governance token uh, will be responsible for uh, determining future iterations of the game, um, which, you know, I think is a pillar of, of just web three in general, be it gaming or not. Uh, and we also have the utility token, which is uh, able to either purchase um, new weapons in the game uh, or 
be able to purchase uh, more warlords as well. Uh, and the utility token is really the one that's you know mainly earned from actually playing the game and completing the quests. Uh, but the we are carefully designing some of the burn mechanics of the governance token as well um, to make sure that this economy is sustainable. Awesome. So you mentioned weapons, right? Uh, are, are the weapons, I assume those are attached to the warlords. Uh, are those also NFTs? Yes. So the two NFTs that are um, they're incorporated into the game are the warlords uh, and the weapon. The warlord is kind of the utility to unlock the, uh, the play to earn model. But as soon as you're into the play to earn model, um, the deflationary mechanism that uh, allows players to earn better rewards and unlock more scarcity in the game uh, is the weapon leveling system. Um, oh, so cool. in addition to uh, cosmetics, um, just having some clout that, you know, your warriors have, you know, cooler axes or cooler swords and shields than the opponent, um, better and more scarce and rarer uh, weapons also give you the opportunity to earn better rewards uh, within the game as well when you play with them. Cool. So do the, you know, you mentioned level up your uh your weapons, is that kind of an instance where just like in Gods Unchained and the Forge, you combine you know, three novice or three common level rep weapons to earn an uncommon, or is it more uh, kind of linear where you know you, you just buy up a tier or, and, and you keep buying new uh, weapons? Yeah, so uh, I've actually, I'm not too familiar with God of War. Um, love Kratos, but I never really played through the games. Um, but yeah, in a similar way that you fuse items, you fuse two uh, lower level equipments or weapons uh, in order to earn or in order to create a, low, a higher tier one. Um, so okay. three tiers it starts level one at origin and level two is master and the third level is supreme. Ooh, that's okay. fine. Uh, um, so and I there's also additional cosmetics that will be implemented as well, depending on uh the level of it. So level two gives you uh, the opportunity to actually change the color of difference uh, of your equipment. Um, but level three actually adds like cool effects, like maybe, uh, you know, you have a, um, a sword that's imbued with fire, you have an ax that, you know, is uh, ice cold and, you know, may add a different like animation. Um, and yeah, maybe like a poison one as well, or you can see your opponents uh, shrivel up or something on the battlefield. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I got a chance last load to take a look at some of those NFTs and I'll be linking this in the description of the video itself. Um, but man, some of those swords, uh, whoever did your art, kudos to them. Uh, cause they, they look pretty, I'm just going to say they look pretty badass. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Some of those rarer weapons are, are looking fly. So if I hit the battlefield with one of my feudal warriors, okay. Uh, they got another thing coming. They do. They do. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we have um, some talented game designers on the on uh, on our team that uh, worked really hard to develop the models for uh, not only the warlords but the the weapons as well. That's awesome. So I know Ryan, you're a history buff. Yeah, uh, Alex. You know, where does the Hexarchia storyline take place? Uh, you know, what cultures does it does it pull from? You know, is that an important element of the game from just a lore and uh, attraction standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of the founding team is uh, are some history buffs as well. So they really um, 
drew a lot of inspiration from the greatest ancient uh, civilizations that ever existed uh, in history. So we have Rome uh, and we have both male and we, so we have six different commanders, two from three different civilizations. Uh, we have Rome, um, we have Japan, uh, where we have you know some of the samurai, uh, both on the male and female side. Um, and yeah, personally, the the Roman ones are are the coolest in my opinion, uh, <laughs> just because I love samurai. But the uh, we also have the Egyptians, um, where we have Pharaoh Menes, who is also very very cool. Um, and yeah, we wanted to bring in these three civilizations because they have some of the uh, greatest history uh, of just being some of the largest and most uh, powerful uh, since the dawn of time. Um, and they also have some of the coolest uh, equipment as well. Laszlo, I just got to ask, for the future, for history's sake, if you include the Persian Empire at any point in time, I think mm -hmm. it's going to be the most dominant next-level NFT series that you guys will ever do. I'm just putting it out there, okay? Because the Romans, the Egyptians, really, I mean, the, the Japanese were lucky, okay? They didn't, they just had to deal with ancient China. And the, ancient China, we, we all know, you know, or maybe you guys don't know. Uh, but it wasn't that big of a deal until, uh, like, I think it was, I feel like it was like the 1400s or something like that, where they started sailing around the ocean blue, whatever. Uh, but uh, the Persians, man, they shut down all those other, all those other empires over time. It was crazy. It was crazy. So I'm just saying. Get those Persians in there, okay? Because uh, they kick booty. They kick booty. I will keep that. I will keep that in mind. We oh, have yeah. uh, not only some community members, but some uh, some members on the team as well who have some strong opinions about some future set <laughs> civilizations that they want to uh, implement into the game. So, so last I will add Persian to the list. Yeah. Oh, so so sorry. Uh, I wanted to ask. So I've heard this term used by you and Jacob and. I kind of wanted to dive into it just a little bit more. So this idea of play to earn, you know, I feel like a lot of people focus on the earn aspect of a game that has play to earn. And I know that we were talking about how Hexarchia really wants to put the emphasis on play instead of earning, because at its base for a game to be timeless, as we mentioned, um, you know, people should want to be playing it and want to be doing that for all time. Right. So can we go into that a little bit? Like, why is Hexarchia a game that should be played first rather than focusing on the economy of it that's being built up right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I speak to both of you as well, and we spoke a little bit about this before, but I speak to both of you as gamers and maybe anybody else in the audience or who's listening to this later um, knows that all of the games that we played from Pokemon uh, to, to Fortnite to even chess, right, like had no... Uh, earning potential in the game. There was just a foundational entertainment factor of it. Um, digital ownership of assets uh, is super interesting uh, in that it allows, in that, in that the tokenization allows people to trade it wherever they want, sell it for uh, whatever the market deems it to be. Um, and yet we're so early in this, uh, in this crypto gaming evolution um, that many of the games that uh, come out, people expect to, you know, be making a ton of money in. Um, and this is awesome. You know, they're, I think, probably but 
probably the most amount of money that's been played or that's been earned in these games is not based on grinding the game out or being good at it. It's based on speculation where you might buy something for super low. Uh, and then based on like the demand for it future later on, like it's now worth a ton. Um, so this is awesome. Um, but fundamentally, you know, it's, it's just not sustainable. Uh, and any gamer kind of understands this. Um, as soon as you find out that if you come into a game with, sorry, if you come into the game with the perspective and the opinion that uh, you are going to be able to quit your job or you're going to be able to uh, earn more than, um, uh, you know, uh, an unreasonable amount of money, um, yeah. then you're probably not playing the game for the right reasons. As soon as another game comes out, uh, where you know somebody on reddit or somebody on twitter is telling you oh you can earn more money in this well you're just going to jump to that game instead so the fact of the matter is that most of these games are not uh going to persist uh if the majority of their player base is coming in with the perspective that they're going to be earning uh, a ton of money um so yeah i go back to hexarchia and that you know this has been a very important uh, detail for us uh, as we design the game, because we really want to establish a player base that's excited about the foundational game experience before um, the earning potential. And of course, we're super excited for people to be able to earn uh, with this new crypto layer, but that can't be the, the fundamental reason why they, they log into the game in the first place and, and uh, go play with their friends. Well said. Well said, Lazo. Yeah, I, I, I think you've laid out Hexarchia almost perfectly here um, for for myself, for the viewers um, and, you know, for folks interested in that. Uh, we'll be linking uh, some tutorial videos and stuff like that to Hexarchia so that you can get your own look. And remember, uh, as Lazo said, it is a foundational game. So go and try it out. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's free to play, and if you want to dive on into it and invest a little bit into getting one of those warlords or even some of those cool weapons, I I say go for it. I took a look at it, and uh, it looked pretty sweet. But you know, so Hexarchia is one of one of these games that's up and coming, and you know, I just want to talk about some some of the powerhouses that exist right now. And you know, Jacob Jacobs has been in this space a little bit more than me. I'm I'm more more so mainstream esports games that have nothing to do with crypto. More so, just the fact that they're there to play for the competitive aspect. League of Legends, uh, Rocket League, Fortnite. You know, even competitive Pokemon. These are things that I focus on. Meanwhile, I come onto this job, and Jacob's like, "Yo, man, Axie Infinity and Splinterlands," and I'm like, "Huh? <laughs> what? 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 What, yeah. what are these?" And so, J Jacob, J let's let's dive on into this just a little bit here. Uh, Let's start with Axie, okay? So let what uh, you know. At first, I was like, "What is going on?" You know, and Lazo here, Lazo, you're running a guild. You're running a guild yeah. for this game that I, I've I've been in the dark. I've been under a rock up here in New England. Okay, that's where I'm from. I'm hiding under a rock in Southern Maine, apparently, because this huge game is just blowing up. Inspired by Pokemon, I'm just I'm flabbergasted. Yeah, well, so pretty man. soon you're going to be hiding under a blizzard. So. <laughs> Well, okay. Uh, we don't. I, I don't have to worry about that until tomorrow. But Axie Infinity. What's what's yeah. going on with that? What's what's you know, going on it, with this? I think it all connects back to to play to earn, and I think you know a, a lot of these early games. I mean, that was kind of the differentiating factor in them uh, that they were play to earn, and I think just going back uh, to you know kind of what Laszlo was saying, and that you know we've kind of seen the play to earn 
industry you know, set its foot down, right? It's clear that this is something that works no matter what the, the scale is or, or how much you're earning, just the fact that games can be mixed with economies. Uh, it's, it's really important, right? It's really important that gaming has money in, intertwined with it because that's, you know, where money is, is, is what matters. And, you know, that's capital low, the, the, the capitalism of the world. Um, but, you know, I think Axie was the first play to earn game. I would say, you know, as you mentioned, kind of, you know, Laszlo, I wouldn't say Axie took off necessarily because the gameplay was crazy fun, right? Axie is almost uh, a, a testament to the, the crazy rise in popularity of profile picture NFTs, right? People like Axies because they're cute, right? People like Axies because they look cool. And, you know, there's a, there's a game behind it, but you know, it's more about the, the economy and the, the continuation of, of life uh, through your axes, right? It's almost like Tamagotchis when we were a kid, right? You had your own uh, and it, it meant something to you. And, and now these, these are all, you know, they're, they're digital, but they're real because they're connected to the blockchain. So Laszlo, I think you can speak more on Axie, the evolution of it uh, and, and how it has changed play to earn, right? You know, you have your own guild. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm more of a Splinterlands guy um, but Laszlo, I'd love for you to share your thoughts on, on Axie. Sure. Um, so for anybody who's listening, who's not familiar, Axie is a uh, Pokemon-inspired game uh, where you collect these digital battle pets um, and you fight against either an, uh, AI enemies uh, in the game or... Uh, more traditionally, other players who also have a collection of three um, of of axes, uh, these Pokemon-inspired creatures. Uh, in order to play the game, you need to have a team of three, uh, and all of the axes have different attributes, um, as in stats like HP and speed and attack uh, and luck, which is critical chance, um, as well as four different moves. Uh, that they're able to utilize in the game. Um, so because of this, uh, you know, there arises a competitive element of team building um, and uh, game mechanics in, in that, you know, you want to uh, figure out the best way to play your team uh, in the long run. Uh, what is also especially exciting is that all the axes have a breeding mechanic um, where you get where they have uh, three levels of traits: dominant, recessive, and uh, secondary recessive. Um, so that if you breed the two axes, there's some uh, RNG that happens where uh, you have a chance of breeding some uh, perhaps better axe. What's exciting about um, axe as a movement is that none of these NFT uh, battle pets um, are actually created by the game company. Um, it's an entirely player-owned uh, economy where the assets and the NFTs that uh, appear on the uh, marketplace in Axie uh, are all owned and traded from actual uh, players or owners of, of the games. Uh, the, the creators of Sky Mavis, uh, the creators of Axie, Sky Mavis, monetize their game by uh, taking a small portion of the uh, fees that uh, or the small portion of the price that these axes are sold by. So traditionally, um, you know, a game company like Epic Games, right, uh, monetizes solely through their 
sale of IP uh, in Nate's case. It's basically all battle passes and um, skins, right? Cosmetics. Um, but in Axie, uh, well, they their whole push towards Web3 um, and why they've been successful is because they're, uh, they only take, they, they have an entire economy that's owned by the players and they have a take rate of, I think, three or 5%. Um, so they're taking a small, small percentage, but it's actually the players that are in, still in charge of their assets um, in the first place, and thus uh, are the ones who uh, are set to actually earn financial value by trading them uh, in the first place. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting that kind of connects to the whole evolution of monetizing games. Right, first we had how games were sixty dollars, and that was that was it. Right. There was no free to play. You know, when we were kids and we were going to GameStop, the goal to get the, the cheapest game was to buy that GameStop used box, right? Where you got 15% off. You know, it's yep. funny. I saw I saw a meme on Instagram about that the other day, and it completely brought back memories uh buying the the 15% off box. Right. But then we saw uh you know, you know, cheaper games where there was a limited option to kind of buy in uh and maybe monthly subscriptions, right? Like World of Warcraft. Um, and then we saw completely free to play, right, with Fortnite. Uh, and Fortnite almost does a, a really similar model to uh, Axie Infinity and Splinterlands and all these blockchain games where they're, they're making, you know, they're, the game is free to, to start. Um, and they're, they're not actually making marginal transactions. They're just selling their skins. Uh, but Axie has kind of taken this a step further by, you know, really just taking 5%. And Splinterlands does the same thing, right? It's all marginal. There's no real upfront uh, cost to get in the game. Um, but it's, it's all about the continuation, right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. That's kind of why I think, I think that's, a, that's an unbelievable model, both for the player and for the game, because it just alludes that you need to keep the IP of the game going, right. You know, the, these games, it's all about continue, continuing the, the storyline and, and adding assets that add value over time. Um, so I think it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, adding on, I mean, when you put the players in charge of all of the assets within the game, um, there's a much more uh, excitement, there's a much more exciting, you know, from an owner and from a player that you actually uh, have control over the assets that you either purchase or you breed or you play with um, because it's, it's completely your IP. If you have a skin in Fortnite, right? As soon as you buy it with V-Bucks, there's no actual opportunity for you to either get your money back or trade it to somebody else. Um, you know, in fact, it's against terms and conditions if you use somebody else's accounts or, you know, um, try and use some uh, third-party service to uh, like a black market to um, trade the skin over to somebody else. Um, so it unlocks a lot more potential within uh, the game as a player uh, to, to have the choice to, to do what you want with, with, with these assets. Absolutely. You know, uh, we, we talked a little bit about Axie, um, you know, and Axie was first, right. And, and how has to you Laszlo blockchain gaming changed from Axie, right? What, what was it like when Axie first came in uh, and, and where is it today? And, and how is that change, you know, you know, how did Hexarchia kind of capitalize on, on anything that you've learned from these, these other games that have, you know, lived for, for a while now? Oh man, let me think. Um, well, I would like to, to preface this by saying that we are still very early. There's a lot of experimentation that happens here. 
Um, I think Axie came out in 2018. Um, so it's really only been three years. It's only really exploded in the last, in 2021, um, where we've seen such an enormous growth. Um, so I guess what takeaways have I gotten from, from the Axie explosion? Um, well, I guess one big level uh, takeaway is just that crypto gaming is here to stay. Um, I can't comment on, uh, or I can't predict how exactly it will um, incorporate itself into the traditional gaming world because, uh, you know, we are too early to see that. But, you know, frankly, with the uh, amount of players that Axie uh, has, the amount of distinct owners uh, that the Axie pets uh, utilize, uh, it's very clear that there is something here and, you know, player owned assets are something that people care about and will in some way uh, put their way into traditional games. Yeah. Um, as far as takeaways for Hexarchia, uh, I think that's, yeah, I mean, as a guild manager myself, the primary incentive for all of, I, I'm sorry, let me, let me back up a little bit. If you're, if anybody in the audience is not familiar with what a guild is um, in crypto gaming, it's essentially a community of players um, who are loaned out uh, assets in the game and given the opportunity to play with them um, because you actually earn a token in the game that you can exchange for actual uh, currency, traditional fiat currency. Um, so because there's an actual cost to playing the game with um, the NFTs, with the axes in this case, um, many people are not able to uh, purchase the, uh, the assets for themselves. So um, a scholarship model allows them to actually utilize somebody else's asset for a profit sharing um, split. Um, so traditionally, the split is 50-50, where, you know, as a manager of the guild, you, know, you provide people with these assets, you loan them out because you can't play with them. Um, and you give these assets to uh, scholars who get to play with them. Um, and you split the revenue that is generated from the game, um, which has been super, super influential to uh, to the growth of Axie. Um, so yeah, uh, from, from my experience managing a guild, um, it has been very interesting to me uh, to see how the um players of a guild have uh you know such a strong incentive to convert their currency uh right back into um pesos filipino pesos in this case because it's most prominent in the in the philippines but uh, they have such a strong incentive to convert it back to the to pesos when they play the game uh just because they need to be able to pay for uh you know things like food or things like medicine so that they can sustain their lives um there aren't very many uh players that actually hold on to the utility token that's generated when you play the game SLP. Um, and it's led to uh, some pretty negative price action uh, within the, within SLP. So a lot of people are upset, um, but at the same time, you know, we are still early and I know that Scott Mavis is going to put in a lot of effort um, to creating more burn mechanics within the game so that uh, the token does not uh, inflate as hard. Um, so what I learned from this, and it goes back to, I guess, the incentive for people playing the game in the first place is that in order for a game to persist, uh, you know, you need to have 
um, a player base that's really excited about playing the game first and foremost. Um, I do love Axie and I enjoy playing, but uh, frankly enough, if you had me um, play for an extended period of time, right, uh, you know, five, six hours a day, right, it does get a bit taxing. You know, the gameplay has been, we're early, but, you know, the gameplay is not at a place right now where it's, you know, diverse enough that, um, you know, you feel like you're accomplishing a new thing every single, every day you pick up the game, you know, you're catching new Pokemon or you're getting to the next level. Like it really is a grind um, to play the game. Um, and I think Axie has been unique in this, uh, um, in this scenario because they were kind of uh, the first to the plates in terms of creating this game and it has really blown up. Um, but I think that uh, other games that follow uh, this um, approach for growth and approach for rapid um, players uh, where they incorporate a scholarship model that you know the only incentive is for people to earn, uh, I think may have a very difficult time sustaining that uh, in the long run because they won't uh, be able to uh, shift up the game enough because people are first and foremost coming in with the expectation that they need to earn. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, I think need, could be improved within the space. Um, and that's kind of why I, instead of using the play to earn term, Hexarchia uses the term play and earn, um, where, you know, earning is not the actual incentive and the primary uh, driver to play the game in the first place. The you play uh, and then earning becomes a uh, something that happens on the side. Uh, you can use the currency that's generated within the game uh, to actually uh, improve your rewards or improve cosmetics. Um, but it's not, it shouldn't be something that people uh, are just innately converting straight back to fiat currency uh, every single opportunity they get, or at least the majority of players. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, awesome. I, I didn't realize how much I put you on the spot there. That was a, a pretty difficult question. Uh, and I thought you 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 just gave a, an awesome answer. You know, while you were talking, you kind of reminded me uh, of what my biggest problem with blockchain gaming is right now, and that's you know the the barrier of entry to play, right? You know, to to have an Axie team that is you know good and and able to you know at, at least compete, it can be as much as you know it's it's like three hundred to a thousand dollars. And Splinterlands, if you want to buy enough cards to have a diamond level deck. I mean, it's really expensive. Uh, and we're seeing some games, you know, add renting elements, which is unbelievable. Uh, Axie, you know, kind of did the same thing in a centralized manner with scholarships. Um, but to me, the biggest problem with blockchain gaming is the, the buy-in cost, right? The barrier of entry to get going. Uh, and I think Hexarchia does a great job with this, with having a free-to-play model. Right, you know, I think you've you've mentioned this a, a lot of times here. Is that your game is going to be fun, right? It's going to be a fun game, and then if you want to buy into the ecosystem, and if, if you believe in the IP of it, and you want to own a part of it, then you know you're going to buy a warlord. You're going to buy some weapons. You may even go and buy some of the governance token. Um, so I, you know, I think to me, over you know, seeing these games kind of evolve, that's the the biggest problem I have. So you know, it's really exciting that Hexarchia has a a completely free to play and, and fair model. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, I think in the future, you know, friction in terms of entering like a game ecosystem is going to be very important into onboarding, uh, you know, traditional gamers who are not already crypto native. Um, you know, if you think about the, the path for 
uh, getting into Axie, right? You have to um, first buy Ethereum, right? And then you have to uh, convert your Ethereum um, to, uh, or you have to send your, you have to bridge your Ethereum over to uh, the Ronin bridge or to the Ronin network, right? Um, so now you have two seed phrases, right? That you have to man that you have to manage, right? Uh, for somebody that's not crypto native, like that's already a lot of friction. Okay, then you have to con then you have to you know actually go through the marketplace and figure out okay what's the right team for me to spend money on so I can actually play the game uh, within Axie and you're scouring the marketplace and it's just like a lot of friction like that needs to happen um, in order for people to even like get the get into like the first game experience, right? So um, I think that lowering friction and allowing players like as easy as easily as possible to play the game uh super super important um to to building and maintaining like a a, a healthy community base or like a healthy player base i'll say yeah and that's a problem with all crypto products right i mean so Absolutely. many crypto products are so complicated i mean just like you know figuring out how to send cryptocurrency from one person to the other i would say that's still you know not on the mainstream's, you know, radar or, or ability to do so. It's just not, not a, a trivial thing to do. It's not something you intuitively understand. Um, and, you know, we're seeing so many of the successful products like FTX, you know, just have UX designs that make it easy, right? Robinhood did it really well where, I mean, Robinhood is not, you know, you don't know, the people on Robinhood don't have their own wallet, right? I know they're coming out with that soon, but at least they made it easy to, to buy, to, you know, trade, so to say, uh, uh, cryptocurrencies. So I think you know that that's definitely important in the the mainstream's adoption adoption of cryptocurrency as you know on trading platforms and just platforms that utilize it. Uh, but games, obviously, right? You know, if, it, if it's important for for the mainstream, it's got to be important for games because that's coming uh, you know right along with it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I strongly think that gaming as a as a sector as well is going to be the strongest onboarding tool um, for getting just traditional people into crypto in the first place because uh you know you come in these games with just the expectation you want to play a fun timeless game um and then you start getting tokens right and then uh what are you going to do with those tokens right you have to learn how to use a text to actually uh, swap them into a currency you have to if, if you want to hold it somewhere you have to learn staking um and i've actually been super impressed by you know many of the guild or many of the members in my guild um for how they're actually able to navigate these tools. You know, people that uh, may not have like a formal education um, understand how to use a DEX. They understand, um, you know, what staking in a pool like is. Uh, and they've actually gone through the mechanics and done it. Uh, I went and um, made my dad make a MetaMask last month and uh, showed him how to use a DEX and um, taught him, you're told him, you know, where to hold his seed phrase. And it was like, such a difficult process to actually like explain all of these things. Um, and yet you have these people who just want to come in and play a game um, who learn it on the spot. And, you know, what do you think happens next after they've, you know, done all of this? Well, they have to learn more. They have to get even deeper into the web three ecosystem. They have to get even deeper than into um, using crypto. Um, so I think it's super exciting for gaming as a whole. Uh, yeah. So the gaming market has been in a, or the gaming space has been in a bull market for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Hmm. And, you know, good timeless games coming out like Exarchia. Uh, I think that it'll be super empowering for the crypto space moving forward. Awesome. Uh, I, I agree. I think crypto 
uh, is going to move fast through gaming into the mainstream. I think that's it's to me, it's it, what makes it's what provides the most value, right? Tangible ownership of the assets. Uh, to me, that's more value than owning a, a NFT. That's a profile picture, right? I, you know, I was more, you know, a year ago when this was all starting or, or not all starting, but when I really started looking at it closely, I thought blockchain gaming was going to move much faster than just profile pictures on OpenSea. Uh, you know, I think I may have been a little bit wrong there, right? Because everything on OpenSea is, is crazy. And it's, I mean, it's just simpler for it to go mainstream. You need, you need to pump less money in uh, to have mainstream NFTs or profile pictures or art that you need to have mainstream video games. Um, but I do agree. I think gaming and, and crypto get along so well. Uh, and, you know, we're just at the beginning. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well- well said. Well said. You know, uh, speaking of crypto, um, you know, this whole idea of being decentralized and the federal government not having any regulation over it, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. But at, I just want to mention this and see what our thoughts on this are. So yesterday there were actually reports saying that the Biden administration here in the United States is considering, uh, very strongly considering legislation via executive action to regulate Bitcoin within the United States. So right now it's currently unregulated. But uh, when holding a type of coin like Bitcoin, for example, as of right now, it's being considered uh, like holding a stock almost. And so, you know, you've got countries like El Salvador that have uh, that consider Bitcoin uh, one of their legal tenders next to the U.S. dollar. But uh, the U.S. government wanting to start regulating such a unregulated market because of just the volatility of it and what it's been doing. I mean, what are our thoughts? Good, bad, dangerous, safe? <laughs> I think it was bound to happen. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised. I remember hearing Jamie Donovan say, like, so adamantly, like, you can think what you want, but but Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, they're going to be regulated. Uh, you know, and he was, he was funny. He was so unbelievably confident in how he said it. Uh, and, you know, obviously he was right. Uh, but I think it's just due nature of, of crypto and uh, NFTs becoming a part of the world and becoming a meaningful money mover uh, in, in the world. So I think it's good. Uh, you know, I think it's, it was bound to happen eventually. Um, and regulation just means, you know, it, it's just going to be more. I mean, that, that alludes to it being more mainstream, right? If it's, if it's regulated and, and a part of something that's deemed more safe by some people because the government is involved. Um, you know, I know that's kind of against the whole reason crypto started. Um, but I, you know, I don't really see a problem with it. I see it just as being part of the evolution of cryptocurrency. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, if it does go through, I mean, I feel like there are more pressing matters right now on the world <laughs> stage, but heck, if the Biden administration needs to focus on, uh, on the regulation of Bitcoin, then yeah, maybe they will just to get the American people's minds off of, uh, well, Russia, I guess, I don't know. It's a whole thing. You know, I think the funniest thing I saw this morning <laughs> <laughs> that was trending on Twitter. First place to go for news, right? Yeah, amazing. Is uh, the the White House introduced an, a new cat, Willow. Willow, <laughs> Willow the barn cat was introduced uh, today. Uh, the, the first cat, as they say, because uh, Jill Biden, uh, the president's wife, was giving a speech and was interrupted by this barn cat. Loved the cat so much that they brought it to the White, they brought it to the White House. And so Willow, the first cat, now lives at the White House. And I'm like, 
it's one way to one way to upscale your living interrupt a press conference i mean meow okay <laughs> that's just, funny that's the that's the news that's the news you want to be seeing from the white house is that they have a new cat absolutely absolutely well Jacob, any any final topics here uh, in in terms of esports uh, with Hexarchia? Any of the games we've mentioned? I I know we've we've sort of touched on Splinterlands a little bit. Uh, you know, it's a game that I've dined, dived into more with Zen Sports because it's one of the big games that you're really into. And so, you know, I hopped on there right away. They also have uh, the free to play uh, functionality as well, although. They do require you to purchase the ten dollars spell book to really deep dive into what they're doing. But you know what? An easy ten dollars to put down to really unlock a bunch of free cards to really experience the game. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. And then they've also got that rental functionality as well. Uh, so that, you know, there are cards on there that are hundreds, if not maybe more than a thousand dollars, depending on what it is, right? And so having the ability to not buy those cards because I do not want to drop $800 for an overpowered wizard. But I'll drop $0.20 cents to rent that wizard for a day. Heck yeah, I will. Okay, to feel the power and to feel like I can own that just for just for the tiniest bit. Just for the tiniest bit. I got to tell you, it felt, it felt amazing. And for me, that's the difference with with uh, a game like Splinterlands and the difference with a game like Hexarchia and even Axie and being a part of a guild. Sometimes there is a barrier, okay? And with with crypto in general, typically you want to keep it to 18 plus if you can. Just have people be that legal age cuz you know, I'm going to be honest. Who are the people that are really into NFTs and and this space in general? I'm going to I'm going to go out there and say it's got to be millennials. But also, it's really got to be Gen Z. It's really got to be Gen Z. It's got to be some of these kids that were born in the 2000s that are really on top of understanding what this all is. Like, I think a kid in high school right now is going to, if he can buy an NFT and flex it on his friends, probably going to go and do that. I'm just, I'm just going out on the limb here. I mean... It's like it's yeah. considered cool, and you know, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this too. In terms of NFT news as well, uh, Jimmy Fallon was showing off one of his Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs on his show, and you know, articles are now being written about: is that a conflict of interest when it comes to like making money? off of the show by showing off your own nft because the idea is is hey guys i'm in this really cool project go pump it he didn't say that but the i guess the 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 gray area here is that you know you have a huge platform on the tonight show and then you're just going to show off an nft which you own and can make money off of if the project were to get bigger. Well, one way to do that is to definitely show it off on late night TV and show it off to folks who may or may not understand what that is. And then when they find out, they're like, "Ooh, that's that looks cool." Jimmy Fallon's into it. I'm I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna go do that. It, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really. In, I'm gonna be I really think, interested to see what what that's gonna result in. I think IP is a super interesting. Um, idea within the nft space within the owner within the um asset space uh i mean i think most of the viewers of the tonight show probably can't afford to you know drop yeah. like 200 250k <laughs> minimum on a 
on a digital ape. Um, but I mean, the same idea if Jimmy Fallon were to show a video of his, you know, Lamborghini or his uh, McLaren, right? Is that, um, should that be regulated? I mean, it's, it's something that he cares about. That's an asset that other people can purchase. And maybe it's not as like hot or influential right now as um, NFTs or crypto in general. Um, but he owns an asset that, you know, is um, that other people can understand and can understand is like verifiably scarce. You know, we talk about younger generations coming into crypto. Um, I think it's more so that these Gen Z's like just don't really care about the scrutiny for them they spend all their time online on tiktok or you know through other social medias right the idea of digital ownership like they don't really need to understand like blockchain they don't need to understand the infrastructure behind it they just you know know that okay i go on OpenSea and i have this one and you don't and you know this one sold for this much and like there's not much else other than that right if if you translate it into gaming right like uh, and there was, I mean, you could translate it into like marketplaces in Warcraft or, you know, the, au the auction house in Warcraft or D2JSP in Diablo. Um, people understand the value of these assets. Uh, and, you know, I, I know how to get one. And I know that, you know, within this Diablo world, like it's really hard to get one. So and I know that you, you don't have one. So, uh, you know, I can flex it and, you know, you can't have it. Um, I could sell it for a lot on, you know, the black market, the third party, second or the secondary marketplace. Um, but it's mine and, you know, it's digitally verifiable because I live in the Diablo world and, you know, I don't have to really understand how, you know, uh, IPFS or, you know, storage of these assets really even works. I, I, it's just innate to people that you know are younger and just accept like that this is a thing. Yeah. yeah. Well said. I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with uh, Jimmy Fallon going on and talking about how he owns the board, board ape. Uh, you know, you see that in stock, the stock world all the time, right? You'll see Warren Buffett go on CNBC and say, uh, well, you know, I just bought this, this awesome stock. Uh, you know, you also see him say when he sells stock, right? I remember at the start of the, the pandemic, he basically said, you know, I was wrong about the airlines. Uh, I'm selling all of my position in all of the airlines. Uh, you know, I haven't actually seen what the airline stocks have done in the last maybe six months. Uh, I, they, I assume they're up maybe a little bit, but he, I mean, he was kind of right there. The airlines, uh, you know, haven't really recovered um, and probably won't for a while. Um, you know, I think that's just kind of the nature of his, his business. I've also been seeing a lot of stuff that it, it was like sponsored by MoonPay. It was more a MoonPay thing than it was a, a Board Ape Yacht Club thing. You know, I saw Gwyneth Paltrow did oh, the same yeah. thing. She, she tweeted, uh, you know, check out my board ape yacht, but you know, she tagged MoonPay in it. So, you know, I, I, you know, all this stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's someone's getting an ad out of it. Um, but it may not be exactly who you think. Yeah. And in crypto, everything is so easy to make, uh, and low cost, like to actually produce because everything is digital. Um, that, I mean, there's strong needs for, uh, regulation, um, on that side. I mean, Board Ape, I think we can all, you know, get behind is okay for Jimmy Fallon to, to shill because it's actually like a long-term project and it has um, provenance just like the punks or the pudgy penguins, right? But, um, you know, you see so many other like mid-tier influencers or whatever you want to call it, people with large platforms that uh, shill um, these mid-range shit projects um, and 
just for the sole purpose of uh, dumping it because, you know, they want exit liquidity from their followers. Um, and that's something, you know, that, you know, most most people that are crypto native would not be okay with and something that, you know, uh, normies or, you know, mainstream uh, people just don't understand is happening, right? Um, so, I, you know, I'm kind of on the fence here. I, I, I don't see a problem with the board apes fine, like, because it's, it's got history. But man, like, you see so many cases of, you know, Drake Bell or uh, Logan Paul um, doing this to their to their followers and making a ton of money. And it's all on the blockchain. They don't even like understand, like they're, they literally gotten caught. Their videos like just like exposing them. And yet yeah. the worst thing that can happen to them is somebody makes a YouTube video about it, right? And yep. says, hey, like they shouldn't do this. There's no regulation. They just keep doing it. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. We saw the big, big thing with FaZe, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think it was phase K he had to, to step down from phase because he kind of, you know, scammed his followers with, I think it was the, for the coins kid um, kind of horrible, to be honest. Um, I think some of the other members were involved, but they didn't really know exactly what was going on. Um, but, you know, it's certainly something because you know, maybe that's something that regulation will fix um, in the, the near future. I think scams are always going to happen. Right. I think I think rug pull scams, whatever, whatever you want to call it, it's always going to occur. I mean, it, it happens as simply today as calling elderly folks and offering them or telling them that someone they know is in jail and you need to wire transfer how much money to some person somewhere else in order to to get them out. It's <laughs> scams are going to happen. And whether you have regulation or not, um, hopefully they happen less so. We'll see, but I feel like, like you mentioned before, Jacob, kind of the whole point of crypto existing is to not have a federal government or agency regulating what you're doing with with the with whatever. Mm-hmm. That way, you have the freedom to choose and do what you like without having to say, "Well, I got to go pay someone a hundred bucks now because uh, I want to go buy this coin, but I got I got to I got to go through somebody." I got to check in with with this this uh, organization or with the government in order to do something specific in in terms of buying a coin, buying some type of virtual asset. I don't know. It's it's definitely a weird weird thing to regulate, but somehow people decide to do it because there is money to be made and that is capitalism. That's that's the best part. That's the best part. Yeah. I think that is a great point. Uh, and, and a great place to kind of wrap this up. Uh, it's been an, an awesome podcast episode, I would say, without a doubt, this is, uh, you know, we, an awesome addition that, you know, having this live, having Laszlo, you were awesome. Ryan, I mean, you stepped this up like crazy. Um, you, you're an unbelievable, unbelievably entertaining and awesome guy to have on the team. Um, so before we, we kind of wrap this up, uh, Laszlo, is there anything you want to share about Hexarchia, any upcoming events that you want to plug? Uh, I'm all ears. Sure, yeah, well, definitely um, check us out on Twitter, uh, Hexarchia, uh, H-E-X-A-R-C-H-I-A. Um, join our Discord, uh, say hi to some of our longtime community members. Uh, we have a uh, weekly tournament that goes on um, yeah, within the Discord on the game platform um, that we give away a uh, weapon to the winners uh, of the uh, competition every single week. Um, so 
yeah, if you guys are interested, I'd strongly recommend uh, you hop in and check us out, say hi. Um, and you know, we're always happy to chat about play to earn and Hexarchia and the future. Um, and yeah, if you want to reach out to me, my DMs are always open, uh, twitter.com slash future Laszlo, uh, L-A-Z-L-O. Um, and yeah, it's been a real honor have, being on the podcast. Thank you guys for asking such great questions and I uh, really appreciate it. We'll have to do it again sometime. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, for Zen Sports, we've got a stream this weekend, right? Me and Ryan are going to be playing some Splinterlands with Luke Plays to earn. Uh, and then we've got a really big announcement coming next next week, uh, early next week. It's gonna so, be uh, it's gonna be big. It's gonna be it big. Will be. Who knows? Maybe I changed my photo here. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> That's the hint. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but for now, <laughs> let's stop the recording here. Thank you everyone for watching uh, this video. It's gonna be going up within the next day or two. Uh, it's gonna be great. Um, thank you again to Jacob. Thank you again to Laszlo. And we out. <laughs>